Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul Angeline, and today we are doing the second part of <laughs> alternatives to D and D. Alternatives to D and D. Yeah, so we're still talking about fantasy games, that genre, and uh, we. I think I went a little bit long on Warhammer, a fantasy role playing game, as an alternative, and we have as an alternative, and we have a couple other games I wanted to talk about at least mention so the next game that I, to me is a nice fantasy alternative to D&D is Simbaroom which is published by Free League they are the Swedish team that's brought quite a few games to to the market and Simbaroom is like is again it's a little bit different than D&D it's dark you're not playing these uh, really heroic characters and I would say, you know, the same thing like Warhammer. It's a little bit darker. It's a little bit greedier. And I think uh, it's a different enough from D&D that it, you know, it's quite an alternative to D&D, right? Because it's so different. Uh, I really like the idea of this uh, world that was in like, kind of like a dark period. And they're coming out of that dark period, kind of like a, the, the dark ages or whatever you want to call it. And they're starting to re-explore, or not, not re-explore, but explore again the world that, that surrounds them. And I think it's pretty neat. I think it's pretty neat uh, setting. Uh, the, the big uh, part of the world is this large, dark forest. It's called Davakar. Davakar, right. And so the forest is, holds all kinds of secrets and it holds all kinds of you know, ancient cities and ruins and stuff. And... As characters, you play treasure hunters, uh, finders of lost lore. Uh, you can make connections to uh, tribes in the barbarian tribes or clans that are around the area. And it's a really small, kind of like a small worldview, right? You're just centered on your little town or village, and you are the ones that are being sent out to to do stuff and of course much like warhammer you are just a character uh usually you have a job like a blacksmith or something that you get points from and uh but you're a little bit different than most people in your village you have this want or this have the bug of exploration or finding fame and stuff like that I think it's just really interesting that and I, and the system itself is really, really uh, one of those systems that I really like, where the GM does not roll. And since I GM a lot, and I like I said, like when I GM because I GM a lot, this really is a plus for me because I don't have to roll dice, and the, and uh, the the players are the ones that are responsible for like let's say if you attack, you roll your attack roll. If you uh, then the, if, if the opponent, whatever that is, attacks you, you have a defensive role. Boom. GM doesn't roll anything. So I think that's pretty neat. I just think it alleviates quite a bit off the shoulders of a GM not having to roll dice. And I think it's pretty neat. I just really like that system, that idea of how that system works. And it's really been critically acclaimed. You know, A lot of RPG people have rated it or given reviews of it and they really like the way it mixes that dark and grittiness of of kind of like warhammer but with the without all the heavy rules that 
that accompany games like that. So I think it's neat. Again, the setting is 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 the big part of the whole game, and it's one it's all in one book. There's a core book that has the rules, has the setting, and has all the rules to making characters and stuff. Because of the way they make this, the the, the system is written. There is a, there's only like three archetypes, right? There are three archetypes, five playable races, three archetypes, and then you have fifteen occupations as a basis for character creation. Right. So. So and they're saying that because you can mix and match all these uh, three different things, that you can have still a very wide variety of characters. That they're not all going to be samey in in the sense because a lot of people go, oh, there's only three. I'm pretty sure samey is not a word. <laughs> you mean they're not all going to be the same? <laughs> the same or similar? There you go. Right. So I think people uh, who look at uh, this kind of. Uh, and the people that reviewed it really looked at it because this guy's like, there's he tells you there's five playable races, three archetypes, fifteen occupations, right? And then he goes on to say there's thirty five abilities, twenty five mystical powers, and thirty three rituals, and a large number of weapons and armors to make each character unique. Yeah, I think I read the same article, and I think that's the kind of thing that that a lot of people might overlook, right? When they say, oh, there's only three character classes because archetypes are kind of like character classes. Oh, that's that's not very. That doesn't give me very wide variety of character. Then that means that me and there's six of us, so two of us are gonna have the same kind of character. We're gonna be in the same role or whatever, and that's just not. That just is somebody that didn't read the actual rules. Well, I mean, a lot of people will look at that and say, "Well, I don't have a lot of what do you call that Uh, flexibility or or decisions to make and stuff like that." So I could see people who just look at it right away and make that kind of a- if I was gonna play this game and and my group hadn't played it before there it says there's 50 pages describing the game's the game's world history right geography cultures and then the four settings that it really focuses on so if I were gonna play this game I would print out or copy from the book this and say I need you to read this before we play or not not the whole 50 pages but like you know this is the instead of having that set well I guess you could do it in session zero where you're describing the world because it's a specific world right it's not like it's not like D&D where you go okay you're in a village and blah 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 right well this one you are kind of in a village yes but it's a but they describe the world they describe the world and the history of what happened right the so either everybody's gonna read it themselves and come up with an idea and then you can just reiterate this is the dark forest of the forest of Davakar or whatever. Right. And I think I think some players would read that and a lot of players would not. That's what I that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm that you're gonna need a, a session zero to kinda get people into right. what this what this place is. It's yeah, like when you is. do any kind of new game but without doing that information dump of where you yeah. where, where you can see your players at your table going their eyes are glazing over because after five sentences they're like i don't care what the elf language is right that kind right. of thing yeah there are even elves i don't think there is elves <laughs> i'm just saying i think you're right i think anytime you start giving out anytime you start giving out uh, a tomes of reading material most players will check out i think what you can do is possibly read the stuff yourself and maybe, what is it? Uh, you write out what is important, right? Like either just a sentence, like this is important. Like the big force of Dravacar is important. It's important because of this. 
you know, and make an outline kind of. And I think that that is good enough to start writing the game. And you could still give them that 50-page tome of the I wouldn't three, give them all 50 pages. Or, or a condensed version yeah. of that. Or even because better, some people will find a YouTube it. video that kind of uh, <laughs> and tell them to watch it. Yeah, people like YouTube video videos. That, that's, you're right. They're, that's a different type of medium. But it's still somebody talking usually. Unless they have nice, nice, pretty pictures and stuff, that's pretty cool. But I think I, I read the. It's not a quick start guide, but it's kind of is. But it's only like six pages, and it, in it it has stuff about the rules, and it has a, a you know just a few paragraphs. I don't think it's even that many paragraphs of the history of of, of the setting, and I think it does a really good job of evoking what the setting is about. So uh, I would probably do that instead of the having to print all these pages or figure out what pages to print this nice six page well there you go six they, page they, they uh, give you quick a, start a, yeah. yeah and most games now will have a quick start free pdf that you can download and print out and it basically just tells you the basic rules usually usually tells you the basic rules like like uh the the game mechanic whatever the the resolution mechanic is it tells you a bit of the history and then usually gives you a a set of characters that you can start playing right away and sometimes even give you an adventure depending on the system and depending on the publisher like some publishers really go crazy and publish these 20 50 pages of a quick start guide that not only has the rules and some of the character creation but not all of course but they also have characters and they have an adventure so this one this one doesn't but but uh, other other companies do. I think that if you and I'm sure in the quick start guide it tells you, but the the um, three archetypes are warrior, mystic, and rogue, and think of them as generic classes, each of which has numerous occupations. Right? For the warrior, you can be a berserker, a duelist, a captain, a sellsword, a knight. So obviously, even though it says there's three archetypes, there's a whole bunch of it's it's not like you're gonna have two like people subtypes. playing playing okay we're both warriors and there's no subclasses or no, uh, no whatever you want to whatever you want to call it when you make the character you're obviously going to make different characters it's not going to be the same character right and i think that's you're right I, I think that people are thrown off by that three character archetypes and equate it with class and then there's occupations which people think oh it's just like i'm a farmer no the f occupations are actual martial type of occupations so that's pretty neat. I really like it. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty cool uh, setting. It's a the rules are really really simple. I would think that one of the easier games to get into uh, for people who have not played too many role playing games because it's it's just a, a d twenty roll low. Yeah, and and basically there's eight attributes, right? So you're just splitting up your points amongst them right. and oh, depending no on your rolling. points, depending on your points that you give to those attributes, then you're either going to have pluses or minuses, upper limit and lower limit of 5 and 15. So the lower is 5 and the upper is 15. So then when you go to fight something, you either get a plus 5 or a, a minus 5 depending on or, you know, whatever you're going to do if you're going to try to talk to someone. So then you just roll the D D twenty, and everything's adjusted by one. The DM can or the the game master can tell you how he's going to give you, take points away or give points to you for 
advantage or disadvantage, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for bonuses and yeah. And, and then you just roll, and if you roll under the number, you make it. If you roll over, you fail. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I listened to a couple episodes of a uh, actual play, and uh, it's it just it was pretty simple to get. And there's not a di- a lot of dice rolling. You don't roll. Free League. It's is it ba- is it based on? I don't know which system in Free League. It's all by itself. It's not. So it's, it's, it's not. Free League has their their Year Zero engine, and this is not the Year Zero engine. This is a totally different system by itself. Okay. Well, and just, and it uses the the classic D twenty, so it's always a plus. And then, just so you know. There's a new fifth edition of this coming out, right. a 5e edition. 5d edition. Um, so. I'm not sure if it's out yet or not, yes. but okay. I think it is. So, so then you can play it in this world with uh, 5e whatever. I think, I think because D and D fifth edition is so popular, there's a lot of people who are porting stuff, like the One Ring. The One Ring when it came out, it came out. It had its own system, mm-hmm. and then it came out with the fifth edition version of the one ring and even the second edition is going to do exactly the same thing they came up they came out with their second edition uh the one ring i don't even know what they call their system if anything but they had its own system and they just announced a little while ago that they're they indeed are going to put out a fifth edition version of the second edition one ring which is interesting because I think certain systems that well, we were talking about before. Oh, we were talking about Warhammer and how gritty and and uh, perilous that world is, and how the system really emphasizes emphasizes that. that and just really goes well with that kind of setting. Uh, there's things you could do with Fifth Edition that will make it more gritty, more, more perilous, but I don't think it fits as well. But people are so. I, I think that there's a lot of people. It's it's like when. The open license came out for, what was it? D20. D20. Third edition. Yeah. I think that the idea that these people, a lot of people play D&D or they really like the the way the system works. And a lot of people like the way 5e works. A lot of people don't. And it doesn't matter because there's going to be a new system soon. (laughs) But because so many people use and are familiar with it, I think a lot of publishers and people who have games, I don't know about the One Ring, I don't know how the system's going to work with 5e, but I think they want to give that option to bring people into their game, into their world, right? Right. Well, And, it, and it's money in their pocket, right? Because like they go, oh, I would play the One Ring, but I only know how to play 5th edition. And, and the thing is, 5th edition, different from 3rd edition, is that 5th edition has hit when D&D is like really popular, right? Right. Because of social media, because online play and all this other stuff. I mean, uh, actual play, Critical Role and all these other people. Fifth edition is super popular compared to any other version that has existed. Even though there's naysayers in the community that say, well, you know, blah, blah, you know, they complain about. That's fine. Let them. They complain all they want, but they cannot argue that it's not selling D&D, a lot of stuff. Yeah, D and D Fifth Edition is just selling like crazy, and a lot of people play it. A lot more people play Fifth Edition than any other version of D and D has ever played. I find it really interesting that Free League and the people that do the One Ring. It's the same people. They're the same people now. <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking that. They just published it. Oh. Think, yeah. I, I, I find it interesting that they would, they would go with a five E because, because their system is easy. I mean, yes. I like the, I like all of their games the way that the, you know, you have an attribute and 
what else? What's the other skill. one? A skill. And you put them together and then and depending on, on, on whatever, you get a dice pool, right? And the, D, the D20 one where you're just rolling under the number, I mean, how much more easy can it be? Yeah, and, and there's not a lot of numbers to crunch in that system. Well, but 5th edition isn't, isn't too bad. It's not like path... I, the crunchiness factor right. is not like Pathfinder no. or, or Shadowrun or something right. where you, you need to figure out how many dice you're going to do and all that totally kind of correct. stuff. Totally correct. Yeah. I know we're kind of going into this uh, whole idea of 5th edition uh, versions of games, but I think it's But that just, was only because this game is coming out right. of the 5th edition. But, uh, but a lot of people are doing that, but I think it's just economics, right? Because if you, if you, if you have a great idea... Uh, for a setting like this one. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting setting. The setting is of a Symborum, Symborum, and it sells pretty good. You know, it's doing pretty well. But you see all these people, people who are buying fifth edition, or the numbers. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they get the numbers, or, or if it's available, or how, or how it's available, or how willing people are, how willing companies are willing to share information about their sales numbers, and usually they're not. D and D doesn't. They don't tell you how many people. You mean um, Wizards of the Coast? Wizards of the Coast. What did I say? D and D. Yeah. Or Hasbro. Hasbro doesn't share units sold. No. Right. And the, the only gauge that we have is actually from retailers, right? Right. Uh, hobby shop owners, uh, Target, and whoever sells D and D books say, "Oh yeah, we sold this many, this much of money," and so we can kind of gather uh, that kind of information. And say, "Oh wow, it, it it's making it sold." approximately you know two million copies of whatever so there's a lot of uh we call it the speculation but there's no speculation in the fact that D fifth edition is just super hot and because of that anybody who makes money off games and free league is in the is in the publishing business and wants to sell books and if it could sell you know more books than their original game I can see the, the it's wor- obviously it's worth it to them to put out a second edi- or a fifth edition version of Simbaru because otherwise if they crunch the numbers and it just gets people it gets more people right to see their stuff right 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 and 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 maybe you know the next time Freely comes out with a different game or they'll look at another diff- a different game from from uh, from Freely and say oh well that was really good I'll see what what this game is like and that I'm sure that happens. Uh, like I said, I went to the last two conventions we went. I went to, and I ran a game. I ran an Alien game, and only one person had played Alien before. But the other people, I was astonished they had only played D and D. But they were young, right? Oh yeah, that's true. And I guess, I guess that was, that was the problem I had. I see a twenty-five to 30, 30 year old person, and I'm thinking, oh, I started when I was eleven, so they've been playing for eleven. No, but but some people, of these kids only are. Young adults only got into it like, like what two years last, ago, last yeah. Year, right? So D and D is the only game they played. D and D is the only game that they have played, and some of them seem like that was like the only rules that they've ever heard of. Uh, and it probably was. I mean, you, you until you're exposed to other games, you're right. not going to know about them, right? So the, the next time I ran was Tales. The, the next convention, just over Labor Day weekend, I ran Tales from the Loop, and none of them had played it. I don't think even Steve had. No, I don't think so. And it was funny because when we were talking about it before you were playing the game, Philip was like, well, yeah, he was what, like, uh, how, how do you, what's the system like? You know, what's the, I, what's the premise? Right. And, and I said, it was the, and like he's 80, a big D and D player, but yeah. he's also, I mean, he plays travel, right? right? All, plays kinds all kinds of stuff. He's been playing since he was a teenager. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but he, he didn't seem all that interested. So I'm like, okay, it's no big deal. But uh, but then he you know he did want to play it. I'm like, I didn't know it was him who you were asking for. But anyway, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is, what was I talking about? <laughs> that the people in your Tales from the Loop game had never played it before. Right. Okay. Now we we did have two adults. Well, they were all adults, I guess, according to Steve. <laughs> But I'm not sure if I trust his judgment. So we had two older gentlemen who were fathers, right? And then they had their one their had kids. two sons, uh-huh. and the other one had his son, her, uh, her his, daughter, his daughter, and possibly her boyfriend, her boyfriend, or right? friend, or friend, whatever. So, uh, but they knew each other, both right. pre- both dads, and they had played the the. Which, by the way, those dads had to be so excited that they had their kids with them at a convention playing a game. Well, I right? think it was just normal. I mean, that's just the way it was. I don't know. They didn't seem that. Super no, I, I mean, well, I don't know. As a parent, yeah. I'm always excited when I get to play in a game with Augustine that yeah. you're not running, that, that somebody else is running, right? Right. And then it was very interested in being there. Yeah. Except for the boyfriend who seemed kind of, well, maybe he was just shy. But anyway. But they hadn't played anything but D&D. Is that what you're no, saying? No, they, they had only played Pathfinder Society. Ah. Which is not even like normal. I mean, well, it is. It's, it's not a home game, right? No. So I thought that was very interesting, and I'm like, oh, you guys never played? And they're like, and they're all all four kids shake their head. No, I go, oh, okay. Well, let me tell you about. The, and then the funny thing was that these kids, kids, these young people were like under. I would say they're under 25, over 15, right? So I have no idea if they were. So I has a hard time gauging ages. As I get older, it gets tougher. That's why I've. I'm suspect of Steve's uh, uh, Steve's age number, or uh, Steve guesses. has a hard time gauging gauging, so, well, gauging ages. Also, what I found was interesting is that the dads have tried other systems, but not the kids. Their kids. Well, the dads are older, right? Right. And then they hadn't really played very much, though. Right. They played maybe they mentioned I don't know if they mentioned travel, but they mentioned like two or three games each. Right. Right. Which is in the I don't know how long they've been playing. Again. I think they're like a little bit younger than me, so they've been playing for 20 years. They could be 20 years but, younger than you. Yeah. Well, well whatever. No. no, no, no. They weren't that young. 10 years younger than you. No, no. Yeah, 10. <laughs> so, everything, I, you know, everything, I judge everything by my own lens, and I think, oh, I've been playing since I was 11, so they've been playing since they were 11, but sometimes maybe they haven't been playing that long. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But they had never played any other game. That the, their, their kids had never played in it, and they had fun. It, it was diff- different. I could tell that it was a different game for them because they're like, oh, and then once they got the idea, because like, they're going, what? I add my skill plus, and then I throw that many six side nine, and, and I'm like, yeah, it's super simple. And they're like, looking at me going, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm well, because like, it's, it's, it is, you know, when you go from one system to another system. Well, Pathfinder. Well, Pathfinder's very crunchy, right. but then they should be able to add dice. dice num- uh, uh, well, I think it was just the concept. The concept of... All, it was the, just too simple. There was there was there there were more. no there were no feats to add or, <laughs> or pluses and minuses right. and, and stuff. Well, I can see that. So anyway, so once they got it, they're like, oh. And then they were like really getting into it, like trying to add. Cause you, you, and then if they're like anybody else playing Tales from the Loop, they're going, all I have to roll is a six. And it doesn't matter how many dice you have to roll. And sometimes you can't roll a six. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on that, like, and they knew, the other, oh, I only have four dice. And then the guy goes, I roll eight dice for my tactical. <laughs> and I'm using my, I'm using my special, my special thing. So anyway, let's get back to Simbaroom. So Simbaroom, right, has a fifth edition. I think I think if you're a big enough publisher and can 
port your original game or anything into fifth edition, the chances of you making more money off fifth edition is, is probably pretty high. I'm just going to say if they can make it into fifth edition, that's that's good. But I think it's really hard to to change the rules. So you have to I mean, that that's going to take a lot yeah. of work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. But it it is definitely a much more, it seems like a a grittier kind of game, right? right? And Yeah, there's not a lot of hit points. Death is on the table. I think you're right. I think uh, it's just a, 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 to me, it's a no-brainer to make a 5th edition right now as hot as 5th edition. But since we're talking about alternatives to D&D, this is an alternative, whichever version you choose, right? Yes, I think think they probably changed the rules enough to to make the the fifth edition their fifth edition version of Simbaroom uh darker darker and more dangerous to the players. And you know, we're talking about these alternatives to D&D. Yeah. These alternatives to D&D are probably going to be older people who have played like Saul's age. The ones who <laughs> who played the original games and they've been playing D&D for a long time and they've branched out to play other things because they got I don't want to say bored, but they got they got disillusioned with how how m- how many hit points you have and how big your heroes can be, right. and they want it to be more a grittier game. And I think that has to do with the other games that you know came out, like there's the White Wolf games and you know World of Darkness and all of those kind of different Call of Cthulhu, right? People that have been playing those games look at D and D and go, well, that's just too that's too much you're not you you shouldn't be able to take such chances and live right, right, right. you should have consequences to your actions. and not, not only that but it is a a combat heavy game right where combat solves a lot of problems yeah so i think probably just want to get away from a, a tactical combat game and get into a more role-playing game you know, although in this game i'm reading it and it looks like you're just going into a dark forest yeah. and you're gonna try to get away from these monsters you may not have a lot of hit points but you're still going to end up fighting right oh yeah yeah well yeah fighting or running running away and but if you have a if you have a mission that you have to accomplish which it looks like this is what you you know this is what what basically the game is right? right you're trying to to figure stuff out and do stuff then i'm not so sure that it's that much different from D&D? Right. Just maybe, I, I don't know. I guess people like it a little more realistic, which I, I think is okay if they want to do, right. if they want to go that way. Death is on the table, but death is on the table all the time, even when you're playing D&D. Unless you, it's unless a little hard. Have a, unless you have a, fudge, a, fudger, a fudgier GM. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty tough in D&D. I think D&D 5th edition, the characters are... Very hardy, very, and I think the reason that is is because of the whole or the dungeon master as a adversary versus the dungeon master as facilitating this game right. to make it more fun for the players. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the the general culture of how people view D and D fifth edition and the people who are playing it. They come from a different different background, right? We didn't have role-playing games on a computer right? where you could save, save, save. If you die, oh, I go back to my last save point. I keep going, right? There's no like, oh, I lost my character for good. I got to restart. That doesn't usually happen in <laughs> modern computer games. You know, there's always that. Usually there's always that save option. In fact, I'm pretty sure that if you made a computer game where your character died, you had to go all the way back to character creation. 
that game would probably like really frustrate a lot of Puget <laughs> players, right? So in that you vein, you mean you can't carry your soul stone back to a, a point and regenerate? Somebody else has to carry it, but yes, I mean th that's possible. That's different. That's even that's different. But see, when you get resurrected, you get resurrected with all your stuff. Oh wow! Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a huge difference. I think that's a big influencer on on today's role playing game influence on D and D and how why it was made the way it is. So you're saying that all those people that play World of Warcraft and uh, and DOD online, DDO online, and, and just regular adventure games like Diablo and stuff, yeah, there's a lot of those people. That's what they played, and they're like, oh, uh, I get to play in the in a, in a fantasy world. Boom! Wow, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll give it a try. Or they're interested in it. But their second level character dies, and yeah, they gotta go back sucks. and make another one. This sucks. Uh -huh. Throw the book down. So I was going to talk about low fantasy gaming. <laughs> but once again, but Saul once has again, gone uh, long. Uh, low fantasy gaming. Uh, we'll, we'll do a different episode on we'll that. Do we don't episode? have to do it next week or anything, but we'll do a different episode on okay. that. Yeah. Simba Room. I think it's a really neat system. It's a really neat setting. And again, I like the way the setting and the system work together in making a really simple, easy to get into fantasy game. Uh, that's dark and gritty and perilous and all these other descriptors, but isn't very hard to get into and play. And whichever edition you choose, and I'm looking at the, the their first edition going, oh, well, this is pretty easy, right? Yes. But if you want to do the fifth edition one, I think it's out, so you could do that too. Yes. So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. <laughs>